if you're playing basketball, you can shoot free throws till the sun goes down and you're probably going to get better. But in running, sometimes less is more. This Runs Radio episode 862 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode, today's episode is sponsored by Diz Runs Coffee. Still uh, a little hard to believe that, that we have our own coffee around here, but uh, I, I suppose it makes sense, right? As much coffee as I drink, I might as well be drinking my coffee as opposed to somebody else's or something like that. But anyway, uh, if you want a, a cup of good coffee, uh, thanks to uh, our friends over at Siskin Roasters, we, we have our own label of coffee and it is, uh, I would say, delicious. Whole bean, grind it up yourself. Make yourself a, a fresh cup, or as, as, as uh, I say, a, you know, a, a pot is made of glass, so a pot can be a cup as well. Uh, however much coffee you uh, desire or, or need, as it may be, uh, we got you covered. So uh, if you head over to disruns.com slash coffee, it'll actually, actually redirect you right to the uh, Siskin Roasters uh, website. You can order a cup of, uh, uh, not a cup, you can order a, a bag of coffee or multiple bags, as it may be. Um, and, uh, get them sent to your house and support the show at the same time. So, you know, you can, you can keep things, uh, keep things going on this end while you keep things going on your end with a, a good cup of coffee. So, uh, thanks to Siskin Roasters for, uh, the, the opportunity to have my own coffee and thanks to y'all for, uh, you know, getting your coffee fixed and supporting the show at the same time. Disruns.com slash coffee. And now without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today's guest is a former college runner that has found a way to keep running in her life uh, post-college, both in her personal and her professional lives. So uh, kind of some, I guess I'm not a college runner, so I can't relate on that side of things, but I can certainly relate to keeping running uh, into my life personally and professionally. So we got, we got that going for us. Uh, she's also the owner of a, of a business centered around running, obviously, uh, which is called Eat Well, Perform Better. And it really focuses on helping female runners learn how to appropriately train and fuel their bodies, not only for optimal performance, but uh, also, and probably more importantly, for optimal health just in life in general. And she knows firsthand how hard it can be to, uh, to balance the, the two uh, and maybe even fall into the wrong side of it, being a little overtrained, underfueled, and how that can make it harder to, uh, to do a lot of things in life, certainly uh, to, to start a family, which was kind of one of the things that was eye-opening for her uh, and helped her along this path and something that I'm sure we'll talk about as we go. Uh, so I'm looking forward today to a, a great chat and uh, certainly looking forward to learning a few things as well with a registered dietitian, Ms. Courtney Burling. So Courtney, thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to it. And guys, if you want to find out more about Courtney, what she's got going on, some of the, the programs, lots of information, all of the things, uh, eatwellperformbetter.wordpress.com is the website. And uh, on Instagram, it's it's pretty much the same thing, which always makes it easy. It's eatwell.performbetter. So eatwell.performbetter is the handle on Instagram. Uh, and as per usual, we'll have everything linked up in the show notes, disruns.com slash 862. Disruns.com slash 862 is the link for the show notes for today's episode. Anything you need from, from today's conversation, photos, links, the whole nine will be there. So, Courtney, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with uh, uh, a pretty straightforward and, and simple question, at least as far as it goes to uh, to ask it. Sometimes it can be a little difficult one to, to answer because there's a lot of great options out there, but it's just a, a fun place to start the conversation is just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Uh, I love that question. I would say I am a 5k runner at heart. I mean, I love, you know, half marathon and marathon training, but racing the 5k is by far my favorite. I think that started probably back, you know, high school, college timeframe. Um, and then that, like just chasing that PR of running sub 17 and just <laughs> inching my way down there. And I still have yet to do it. I've run low 17s, but having that goal and just trying so hard to reach it, you know, race after race after race. Um, it's always been my favorite distance and you can just race it again, you know, every single weekend if you really wanted to versus a marathon where you have to take so much time to build up and recover. Um, so I'm all about that 5k. That, uh, 
that that is true that you can you can race the 5k more frequently although you'd get somebody like me who isn't uh, is is keen on the, the uh the the pedal to the metal uh uh situation <laughs> that the 5k happens to be that's that would that would maybe push back and say why in god's name would you want to race a 5k i don't want to ra- race one 5k let alone one every week for uh for here on out but uh again you know one of the beauties of our sport is that there's so many different options so many different ways that, that you can go with it um and even if you're one of those crazy people that likes the 5k which not kind of, not going to call you crazy courtney but uh you know i i uh Oof, that's just not not my favorite distance, but that's uh, it's all good. Um, like you said, kind of uh, you know, and like I said in the intro, running running has been part of your life for for a while, um, dating back to high school, college, things like that. How did you guys first get started into the sport? Yeah, so my sister was a runner, and she's a few years older than me, and so I was always a gymnast and a softball player. I did all kinds of sports, um, and she was the runner. That was her thing. And like any little sister, you want to do exactly what your older sister does. Um, so I followed in her footsteps and thought, well, if she does it, I'll do it. So we started running just small town community um, road races. You know, one that comes to mind is called the Twin Sizzler. It's on the Fourth of July in Medina, Ohio. It's a really cute small town race. And that was, I remember being probably 13, maybe 14, starting to run just that road race. And it was so hard. I mean, I I would just be so happy to finish the race or, you know, better yet, finish it without walking. Mm -hmm. Um, And then believe it or not, I opted not to run um, cross country in high school because it was during, I had um, volleyball practice Mm -hmm. during cross country season. So um, I only ran track. And then when I got to college is when I ran both track and cross country. So- that's that's an interesting line of thought in that in that you know for, for, I feel like for the most part and, and obviously you start painting with too broad of a brush and, and and that's where things start to really fall apart but you know people that that compete in college I mean they're kind of like honed in usually in high school right like like you kind of build up that's how you attract the coaches you get you get the the, the eyeballs on you uh, and it allows you to to kind of um, you know have the best chance of getting the opportunities in college you must have been a hell of a track runner to get uh, the opportunity to run in college without uh, running cross country or did you, did did you kind of slip in, slip in some other way? Yeah, it's really unconventional way to get there. Especially I ran at the university of Cincinnati, which is a division one school, um, in the big East, big East conference, which I think is no longer part of the big East, but, um, yeah. So I, my freshman year, I actually didn't even want to run in college. I just wanted to go to school and be, you know, quote normal and just study. And I mean, let's be honest, like go to, you know, have a social life and go to (laughs) parties and, um, you know, just live that dorm experience with friends. And it wasn't until after my freshman year that I thought this just isn't for me. I thought about transferring schools. I thought about changing my major. I couldn't figure out what was missing in my life. And it was not being a part of the team for the first time in my life. And so um, that summer in between my freshman and sophomore year, one of the guys I know on the team at Cincinnati said, you know, you're really good. You know, why don't you call the coach and see if you can walk on? And I did just that. And I went to camp um, that first year or my, well, my second year, my first year on the team. Um, you know, there's cross country camp every summer in August. And coach said, if you can hang at camp, you can be on the team. And so I went and you know, I trained all summer and I went to camp and I proved myself. And, you know, I was not the best runner on the team, but I was a contributing member to the mm-hmm. team. And um, so I had a very unconventional backdoor way onto this amazing team. Yeah, that's that's, uh, you know, uh, certainly pretty impressive. I, f- I feel like like I, I worked at uh, Middle Tennessee State university for a couple of years as the athletic trainer with the, with the track and cross country team. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like, like, uh, not quite at the same level as, as a, as a, you know, power five or whatever it was, power six conference, I guess at the time with, with the big East, but still, I mean, we were, we were pretty, we were certainly division one. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I feel like all of the runners on our team, all the, 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 you know, different track and field athletes as well. Um, they were all like, like the studs, you know, in, in their high school days coming up. Um, and even the ones that were walk-ons were like, you know, like, like they came to school to try to run. So yeah, it pretty un- unconventional, but, uh, you settled in and, and have, you know, how was, how was your, your college running career, uh, coming, you know, even though you didn't come into the, the most, uh, maybe glorious or maybe not glorious, but the, uh, the most typical way to get on the, 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 the team. Uh, how did, how did your years running at, at Cincinnati go for you? 
Yeah. You know, I, to be honest, I struggled a lot, especially in the beginning. Um, I think because I was running workouts at the level that some of the top girls were, mm-hmm. you know, we had girls from Kenya and mm-hmm. like you said, the, the star athletes from high school. And I was pretty much racing my workouts just mm-hmm. to prove myself. So when the workouts came or when the races came around, I was toast. I mean, I had nothing in the tank by the time the gun went off. Um, and so it wasn't until my senior year and really in track when I found the steeplechase mm-hmm. um, and I ended up, you know, qualifying for the Big East Conference and, you know, kind of started to find some success in the 5K on the track in the steeplechase. Um, you know, I kind of needed something to separate me. I just wasn't the fastest, but I had that grit. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have that gymnastics background that the steeplechase, I think, kind of goes hand in hand with. Um, and so the steeplechase kind of ended up being my like shining moment in track. And, um, you know, it just really helped me find my own niche and my own um, avenue, I guess, to go down. Gotcha. Yeah. Is it the steeplechase as if running, uh, you know, 3000 meters around the track is, is basically as hard as you can. Isn't, isn't hard enough here. Let's add a bunch of barriers to jump over in a water pit to wade through. Like, it, I don't know whose idea yeah. of, of torture that was, but, uh, it, it worked for you. Found you, found your niche. And, uh, and, and that's, uh, that's one of those, those events that, um, for me personally, I don't know that I would ever want to run it, but boy, it's, it's a fun one to watch at the track. Cause there's, it's never a dull moment. Something can, can happen, you know, literally at any barrier that any of the barriers around the track. Yeah, it's a crazy race. I mean, I would love to run it again now. And, you know, I'm obviously older now and I would love to just go at it one more time and see what it's like. (laughs) I mean, what a ridiculous race and a ridiculous thought process to put these barriers that don't move when you hit them and then through the water pit and, you know, you're running in Ohio in March sometimes mm-hmm. and that water is darn cold. Yeah, ice floating <laughs> in it. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good times. Good times. So what, uh, what does, what did, excuse me, easy for me to say, can't even put my words together. I talk for a living, but, uh, coming out of college, <laughs> what, what, what was running like? I know for some folks it's like, you know, once, once you kind of get out of that, that structured regimented routine, like everything falls away and it takes a while to get back to the sport. Some people it's like the weight of the world comes off them and they can, they can just run for fun and not have to have any type of feeling any of pressure or, or things like that. What was it? What was the experience coming out of, of college for you? Like, yeah. So I was again, <laughs> unconventional is the, <laughs> the theme I'm seeing here. Um, I really hit my stride pun intended after college. Um, you know, I moved to back to Cleveland. I moved from Cincinnati back to Cleveland, Ohio, and I was doing an internship at um, the Cleveland Clinic. And my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, was training um, for the Marine Corps. And he was down in Quantico training, and I was up in Cleveland. So I didn't have much to do but do my internship and train. So I trained for my first marathon, and I I was pretty outspoken about my goals. And I said, yeah, I'm going to run some three hours in the marathon. And my sister said, you're crazy. Why don't you just focus on finishing? And I was like, no, I'm going to run sub three hours. And so, you know, one, once you say your goals out loud, they're out there and Mm -hmm. you know, you feel a little bit more pressure to achieve them. And I did just that. I ran the Cleveland marathon in two fifty seven that summer. Um, and that was like, okay, I, maybe I'm a better runner than I realized. And I think, Once I got, you know, my coach, Bill Schneer in college was a phenomenal guy and a great coach. But like I said, I just didn't train well in college. Mm -hmm. So I think once I got away from the pressure of feeling like I need to prove myself and race these workouts, and once I actually dialed back a little bit, I was able to excel. Um, And so running has just continued to be a large part of my life since college. And truth, truthfully, I've only gotten better since college. Mm -hmm. It's, it's funny how, it's, it just doesn't make sense that the idea that, that run a little bit easier, um, and, and you can actually end up getting a lot faster, see a lot more progress that way. And something that, that I talked about with heart rate training, you know, till people are, are tuning, turning this off right now. Cause they're like, Oh, here he goes again on the heart rate training thing. <laughs> but, but it really is so true. And it's, it's always good to hear it from different perspectives and different folks. And, and I, I don't know if you ever wonder this, but I'm, I'm sitting here kind of wondering, like, I wonder what your college career would have been like had you had that kind of epiphany or, or had that realization earlier in your college running days of like, Hey, like, yeah, it would, it's, it's awesome to push myself with some of these, these girls that are are definitely faster than me, but like, would you have, have seen more improvement? I probably would have, and how much more improvement had you backed off and trained maybe a little bit more intelligently or a little bit, you know, not, not push yourself with every workout 
save some of that that gas in the tank for race day. Um, and and who knows what what the college career would have looked like on that front. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, running is one of those weird sports where it, I feel like it's the only sport out there that doing more of it doesn't always make you better. You know, if you're playing basketball, you can shoot free throws till the sun goes down and you're probably going to get better. But in running, sometimes less is more, you know, there's really a fine line there. And I think, you know, going back to how good maybe I could have been in college and, you know, I don't want to like Monday morning quarterback right. situation, but, you know, I do think it takes a lot of courage to, um, and maturity, I guess, to step back and say, you know, Oh, I don't, I, you know, one more rep might be too much for me, or, you know, this pace is too much. And I just don't think I had that, that courage or bravery to stand up against, you know, coach or teammates to mm-hmm. say, this isn't for me, you know, I need to slow down. And that's, and that's where, you know, again, with, with running is so multifaceted where for some folks being in that, that team environment or that social dynamic of, of, you know, local running clubs, whatever the case might be, can be super helpful. But for sometimes it can, it can get you in more trouble than it, that it maybe is worth where you take some of that extra pressure off. And it really does allow you to, to back off a bit, um, run a little bit less, run a little bit easier, whatever, the, whatever you might, you know, each individual might need. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's this, this, you know, one step forward, propel or one step back propels you multiple steps forward. And and then the light bulb can kind of go on and be like, Oh yeah. Like this, this, this run less or run easier approach really, really can work. Um, if you just implement it and stick with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of training with a team. Like Mm -hmm. it's amazing what you can accomplish with running with other, you know, people that are, you know, similar speed to you. Um, but one of my favorite things to do is to run, you know, track workouts, long runs and tempo runs with other people. But then on your easy days, you know, take that Mm -hmm. Garmin watch off or, you know, just put your old Timex back on and just run at whatever pace feels comfortable to you. Right, right. Without without the pressure of feeling like you need to keep up, which uh, is where where people can get themselves in trouble. So you mentioned coming out of college and training for that that first marathon. You were doing your um, internship at the Cleveland Clinic. Was that? I mean, were you straight out the gate going into to nutrition? Was it a nutrition based internship? Was that what you were were studying? Yeah, it was. Um, and so that's actually when you get your, after you finish your bachelor's of science in dietetics, you have to complete like a practical application and internship in order to sit for the registered dietitian exam. And so that was, I was doing my year of clinical experience there. Gotcha. What, what was it that, that put you down that career path? Where, where did the interest in studying nutrition and diet and, uh, and how it relates to human health? Uh, where, where did that come from? Yeah, you know, I knew I wanted to be in the healthcare world. Um, And I had mentioned earlier about maybe my freshman year thinking about changing my major. And I had actually thought about changing over to nursing for a little while. And I still think about that. Um, But, you know, nutrition is so amazing. There's just so many diets and theories and studies out there. I mean, you know, like one day bread's bad and the next day eggs are bad. And it was just like, wow, I have to get to the bottom of all of this. And I just find that there's so many people that need help with it. Um, You know, and I love helping runners with nutrition, but I've also, you know, I'm a certified diabetes educator educator as well. And so helping people overcome the confusion of diabetes and blood sugar management is really important to me too. So I just found that there was such a great way to help people with something that we need every single day, which is the food that we eat. Right. Right. And, uh, so many things that, uh, that, that I want to get into uh, on on that front, um, and, and like I told you before we got got started, we could probably spend half a dozen episodes just a- asking questions and, and talking and, and and going through all that stuff. So uh, I, I certainly want to spend enough time getting to that. But but before we do, I want to kind of bridge the gap on um, you know kind of what I hinted at a little bit in the in the intro that um, you know you were kind of I don't want to say struggling, although maybe that's the right word, but um, having some issues with your health when you were, you know, post-college and, 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 uh, training and, and racing hard and, and running a lot. Um, and you have this desire to start a family, but having, I'm assuming from, from what you said, uh, in, in the, the conversation we had before starting today, uh, struggling to get pregnant a little bit and how that can, can be related to being under, under fueled, uh, the, the nutrition side of things with, with exertion and exercise. So can you tell us a little bit more about kind of some of that, that journey that kind of led you to, to where you are today on the business side of things? And, and obviously there's some tie in with the running as well, but you know, kind of how, how that process played out for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think it's 
unfortunately really common that when you're training at a high level, um, you know, like your menstrual cycle either is absent or irregular. Um, and a lot of times I think the running community dismisses it and like, oh, that's just, you know, in college. I mean, it was just like, oh, that's just, this just happens. Or, you know, doctors will put you on birth control to solve the problem and it's not solving the problem. Um, it's really just masking the problem. And so, you know, it, it was kind of just one of those things of like, yeah, I'll just worry about this some other time when it's more important. And that time eventually came that it was like, oh, wait a minute, like I'm not super regular. And if I'm not regular with my menstrual cycle, getting pregnant is going to be extremely difficult. And, you know, so it was something that we had worked on for a while. And it ultimately, you know, it took me probably a year or more to realize that it was, you know, a combination of the stress, you know, running is a stress on our body. Um, And if we're not fueling properly, you know, the first thing that shuts down, or I shouldn't say the first, but one of the many things that shuts down is your reproductive system. Your body doesn't have enough energy to keep you know, keep that going. Um, and it's really an amazing defense mechanism that your body signals, you know, hey, there's not enough energy to go around. We can't grow another human being. So shut this system down. And so, um, you know, and it's really hard if anybody's out there listening, like I had to like, I always say like break up with running for a little while. Um, and, you know, for I, you know, for years I had been a runner and I was known as, you know, Courtney, the girl who runs, you know, the girl in the neighborhood who's always out running. And, you know, and I never felt like I had, you know, like I was never skipping meals or, you know, I, I ate and I felt like I ate plenty, but I ate really clean and healthy. And, you know, it was because I had studied for so long about how, you know, maybe donuts aren't the best choice or, you know, butter, you know, can raise your cholesterol. And I like in, I don't know, I guess I soaked in all these like diet culture messages and forgot that I'm a runner and runners need a lot of fuel to fuel their run and all these other systems in their body. So, um, you know, like I said, it took me too long to kind of come to terms with that. And so, um, eventually I did kind of break up with running, <laughs> um, took a, took a pause. Um, and you know, that helped me, you know, get pregnant eventually. But, um, you know, I do feel like if you're able to adequately fuel and you're working with a professional, you can have both, you can mm-hmm. run and adequately fuel and eventually get pregnant if, if that's your end goal. But nonetheless, having a regular menstrual cycle is extremely important. Like all the hormones associated mm-hmm. with your menstrual cycle are associated with bone health, GI health and heart health as well. So, you know, it's not just like a big deal if you're trying to get pregnant. It's a big deal if you're, you know, as long as you're not postmenopause, um, you know, it's really important. So, you know, in a nutshell, yeah, I, sometimes we have to step back from running and that can be really hard, but just making sure that we're adequately fueling our body um, is so important. And that's really what led me to starting Eat Well, Perform Better is to help, you know, specifically female runners and, and men, don't get me wrong, struggle with underfueling as well and maybe just as much. Um, but I just choose to focus more on, on the female body just because I can relate more to them um, at this moment. And so, you know, Eat Well, Perform Better is all about inspiring female runners to not only eat well to perform better, but to eat enough Mm -hmm. and to break away from some of this diet culture mentality. And maybe, you know, maybe they have food rules or, you know, they're practicing, um, you know, diet culture habits like intermittent fasting, or they're, you know, depriving themselves of food and fuel. Um, You know, I really want to help them break away from that um, to learn how to really become more of an intuitive eater, listen to their body, respect respond to their hunger cues and fuel with a plan so they can be the best runner that they want to be or can be while leading a healthy life. Mm. I, I love it. And lo- lots of things. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And, and lots of things in there that, uh, as per usual, I could, I, I am interested in diving more into and, and, and I put a pin in a few of those different things, you know, the, the proverbial pin, but one that I, I want to bounce back to real quick, uh, before we really get into the, the nutrition talk and, and, uh, uh, hopefully learning a few things for all of us. Um, uh, but like you said, when, when you had to, to break up, quote unquote, break up with running for a little bit, um, you know, that's, that's something that, that I know a lot of runners, um, 
for whatever reason, whether it's injury, overtraining, life, whatever, you know, there's there's different reasons that we all have to maybe take a step back once in a while. Uh, a lot of times, not uh, something that we want to do, but kind of something that uh, gets gets forced upon us. What w- what was life like for you mentally? What was what was uh, like you said? You know, you were kind of known as the runner in the neighborhood, and now all of a sudden you're you're not running. Um, what 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 was that like for you from a, a personal perspective to kind of have something that obviously you know the 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 ends justified the means. You know, as we're recording this, you've got it. You've got a baby. At home so congratulations with that mm-hmm. um thanks but uh but what was what was it like for you to kind of you know know that you kind of couldn't run or couldn't run as often as you wanted to for an extended period of time to help you know again ultimately it was worth it but but in that moment what was it like for you oh my gosh it was so hard especially like if anybody even if you've just gone through an injury like you know what that feels like where mm-hmm you know, that's your running is our stress outlet. It's our sometimes our social life. It's, you know, running is is so much to us. It's not just an activity that we do. Um, You know, it's not the same as like just going to the gym for 45 minutes, like running is so special to somebody that identifies as a runner. Um, And so there were a few things that really helped me through that one. My husband was super supportive, um, which bless his heart because I was not always (laughs) the most pleasant person to be around at that time. Um, but I walked a lot, you know, we lived at the time in Amherst, Massachusetts, which is, you know, rural Western mass and it's beautiful. So I took the dog for a hike almost every day. I had another friend, um, who just enjoyed walking more than running. And we, you know, we would meet in the mornings to walk, Um, you know, I did more yoga and it, you know, in hindsight, it was a really special time to slow down and, you know, truthfully, like smell the flowers (laughs) and like how many times in our run do we just like blow by something? But when you're walking, you can really stop and appreciate things. So, um, you know, I've just found different ways to let my stress out, but it was not easy and it was not pretty. Um, but it was ultimately worth it. And so, you know, even if you're overcoming an injury, um, you know, allowing that injury to truly heal and allowing your body to truly take the longest break that it needs to, to properly heal is always going to be worth it in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those perspective things that, uh, I think that, that for most of us, you know, looking back, it's easy to say like, yeah, it wasn't easy. Uh, but it was it was the right call. But in the, in the moment, it's tough. And I, I love that you were able to find different ways to, to stay active because I feel like, again, you know, depending on each situation is going to be different. But even with injuries, even with with, you know, life changes that, that necessitate you to take a step back from running for, for a minute uh, or for longer than that, if that's what it's required, um, you know, if you can still find ways to still be active, to still kind of maybe it doesn't quite completely scratch the itch, but it 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 helps to, to make it a little bit more. Uh, bearable to help, you know, like as I won't throw you under the bus on this, Courtney, but as, as I've said many times, if I don't run for a few days, like my wife just kicks me out and locks the door and says, come back in an hour and be a better, better person again. Um, so, so, you know, like, like, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's something else that I can do to at least not be too terrible of a person until I can start running again. Uh, but just finding those ways to be active, even if it's less intense, even if it's, it's a different form, um, still helps on a, on a lot of, a lot of, of ways. So, you know, whenever we're in that moment, whether hopefully nobody ever is, but life is going to happen and we're going to be shoot, life with COVID is kind of thrown that into, mm. into the situation for some folks as well, you know, finding some way to be active, uh, helped you. I know it's helped me in the past and, and, uh, you know, not easy, but it, it you know, it, this too shall pass and, and, uh, you can mm-hmm. get back to running eventually. And, and what was it like coming back? I, so not getting, too much in, in, into the weeds, but you know, were, were you starting to run again before you got pregnant? Did you run when you were pregnant? Have you, have you just kind of stayed off of running until postpartum? Like, like when did you kind of start getting back into, into running again? And how was it different than it was before you took your, your little break and, and your little breakup time with, with running? Yeah. Excellent questions. Um, I didn't run my entire first trimester mostly because I was just terrified. Like Mm -hmm. I finally had what I wanted and I wanted to like stay in a bubble (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not saying that you need to do that at all. If you're, you know, pregnant and listening to this, cause you absolutely can run while you're pregnant. Um, and then I started to kind of look more into it and, um, Tina Muir, who's, um, an ex, excellent, um, advocate for kind of this, uh, running while pregnant and overcoming, you know, issues with your menstrual cycle. Um, she has, 
a really great like um, and it was like a, a guidebook or audiobook, I forget. Um, and I listened to that and she had interviewed a lot of doctors and physical therapists about running while you're pregnant. And so I kind of gathered up all the scientific data. I was like, okay, I can run while I'm pregnant. This is okay. And so, you know, I by no means did anything, you know, hard or, you know, I just really listened to my body. Um, but I think it helped me become more in tune with my body. Um, and it's amazing once you're finally you know, kind of doing something for somebody else. Like, for example, like I was, I was running and trying to take care of this growing human being in me. It was like, it wasn't worth pushing it. It wasn't worth, you know, pushing myself to exhaustion. So I really learned to slow down and listen to myself. And so, you know, I probably ran, I don't know, three days a week or so just enough to like stay active almost all the way from probably my second trimester until like Actually, I was running on like 40 weeks. My baby wow. was a few days late and I was out jogging, trying to kind of, you know, get, get something <laughs> get moving. moving right? <laughs> yeah. um, but um, so, yeah, I was able to run during the pregnancy slow and steady. But my perspective postpartum changed completely. Um, you know, I, I didn't run postpartum until, I don't know, maybe like. 10, 12 weeks postpartum, worked with um, a pelvic floor physical mm -hmm. therapist, you know, got, you know, took care of all the the muscles that kind of changed while I was pregnant and um, very slowly worked my way back into it. And I have to continuously remind myself that like, this is postpartum running. Like it's mm -hmm. almost like having new PRs to chase and like right. you're a little bit of a different runner and that's okay. Um, but since that breakup with running, I just have such a different perspective on like, slowing down, listening to my body, taking those rest days, you know, cross training, you know, lately it's been really hot here. I'm living in Virginia right now and I've been, you know, hitting the pool a little mm -hmm. bit more and just knowing that like life goes on, even if you don't get that run in where I used to not feel like that. Like I would build my day around my run and now running is just a part of my day. Mm. That's a, that's a, a great perspective shift that I think most people get to at some point, hopefully get there the easy way as opposed to getting there the hard way by having it taken away for one reason or another. But, uh, certainly something to, to always remember that, um, that yeah, like for, for all of us that don't literally put food on the table because of our running, like, like running is part of your day, part of your life. Uh, not, not the other way around. That's a, that's a great bit of insight and a, and a, a good time, I think to, to fully transition into some of the more nutrition type of talk. And one thing that you said, uh, kind of, you know, in, in the lead up and, 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 uh, kind of talking about, uh, eat well, perform better is the idea of in, intuitive eating. And I know it's something that, uh, we I've talked about with other folks on the show before, but it's, it's been, it's been a while. So can, can you, uh, refresh, uh, maybe my memory a little bit, those that uh, have never heard the terminology before, what, what is intuitive eating and, and why is that something that, uh, you're so, uh, such a, such a big fan of, of that concept versus some of the more rigid, uh, diet options that are, that are out there and talked about on a regular basis. Yeah. So intuitive eating, there's 10 principles and I won't recite all of them. I'll spare you from that. But, um, <laughs> you know, the main, the main takeaway point from intuitive eating is really, especially as a runner, like rejecting that diet culture. Um, and what I mean by that is, like I said earlier, like you know, you might have heard, oh, you know, a bagel has way too many carbs. I shouldn't eat that. In reframing your mindset to think, well, I'm a runner. Carbs are my main source of fuel. So I need that bagel, you know, at the right times and, you know, before a long run or, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. And then, you know, really learning to listen to your body is is the main, main piece of intuitive eating or be, you know, being more intuitive with your body. Um, and when you can, you know, really honor your hunger, which is one of the principles of intuitive eating. Um, and what that means is, you know, you feel like, okay, I'm hungry and you listen to what your body is asking for. And so, mm. you know, a lot of times, Oh, I'm hungry. Okay. Well, I already had, you know, I'll just keep going with a bagel. You know, I already had a bagel, so I should probably have some protein or I should have a vegetable in like, you know, versus your mind telling your body everything you need. If your body is asking for more carbs, or maybe it's even craving sweets. Sometimes, you know, you might be craving a piece of cake. Maybe that's what you need, but really it's probably your body just asking for more carbs. Mm. Um, and so becoming more in tune with that and giving your body what it needs and what it's asking for really helps your body feel safe. Um, you know, it doesn't feel deprived. And, you know, ultimately, like the intuitive eating, you know, guidebook that's out there, 
is really more about helping dieters break away from the diet cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, because when we deprive ourselves, you end up just craving that more and then overindulging in that. And then you kind of have that yo-yo effect and you feel guilty for eating food. And, um, and I never, ever want runners to feel guilty for eating something, you know, and I, and I never want runners to feel like, I have to run, you know, X amount of miles so that I can have Mm. that cake later in the day. So um, anyways, intuitive eating, just getting, you know, away from that diet culture mentality, fueling like an athlete, um, you know, honoring your hunger, listening to your body, and then, you know, just moving your body in a, in a gentle way is all about intuitive, you know, being an intuitive eater and runner. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Without, without trying to play devil's advocate, I'm going to, Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'll, I'll preface this by saying I, I'm going to probably sound like I'm pushing back, but I'm, I'm kind of curious on That's okay. um, um, a few things. And, and uh, we'll get into to some of the other stuff that I know people are, are waiting to wonder if I'm going to bring up at all. But yes, I'll bring it up. Just, we'll get there. Uh, but along along this line um, of like, like you said, like, you, you know, maybe your body is is you know, kind of, you have this craving or there's, there's something type of sweet, whether cake, cookies, whatever, something that I, I don't think anybody would classify as like super healthy food. You know, not that it's bad, not mm-hmm. that it's evil, not that it's something that you should never indulge in once in a while, but you know, probably not the best situation to like make cakes and cookies, like a central part of your regular eating routine. Um, but, but you have somebody who's, who's feeling like, yeah, like I am kind of, you know, craving a little bit, something sweet right now. Um, is, is like, how do you de- how do you decide is that i don't know if that's quite the right way to ask it but you know how do you de- determine whether it's like you know occasionally it's okay to have the cookie or the muffin or the thing that's that's not got a whole lot of nutritional value but it's it's got something and it's it's delicious versus veering more towards the the fruits or some of the vegetables or things that are definitely helpful more healthy definitely have more nutritional value to them um and and kind of balancing that like yes i'm an athlete I, I want to fuel my, my body with things that, that I've been at least told over the years are, are more healthy than some of the other options. Like, like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm asking a good question here, but I feel like sometimes it can be a fine line and, and, and I'm on board with the idea of intuitive eating, but like, that's one of those areas where it's just like, like, I mean, I try to push myself more towards the healthy things, right? Like, is that, is that wrong? Is it like, I don't know that, again, I don't know that I'm asking the greatest question here, but, but like in that situation, like, how do you, how do you kind of handle those differing pulls, pushes and pulls that you might feel on a, on a somewhat regular basis? Yeah, I, I totally understand where you're going with this. And that is, you know, really one of the theories with intuitive eating is that if you can, you know, and actually it's another principle is make peace with food and stop labeling food so much as good and bad. Because if you're like, Oh, cake bad, Mm -hmm. then you eat it and you feel guilty. And the whole time you're eating it, you're not enjoying it because you're like, Oh, this is bad. Oh boy, this is not good. And if you have that inner dialogue of like shame, 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 then you're, you're not making peace with that food. So if you allow yourself to have that food occasionally without that guilt ridden, you eventually that foods, you're not gonna crave that food all the time. Um, and I think that's one thing that when people think of intuitive eating, they think like, okay, yeah, my body's telling me I want cake. I'm going to eat cake every day. And, you know, and then that's going to be bad. But if you truly get in tune with your body, your body's not going to ask for cake every single day um, or, you know, a sweet, let's say. Um, and so, you know, I think moving away from, like I said, labeling good and bad and then having it, you know, yeah, occasionally, um, let me see, how can I, I'm, I'm not making great sense now either, but you know, <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you get, think, a, you get a terrible question. Your, your answer starts to waver. No. So it's not your fault. It's my fault. Well, and you know, I guess the other piece too, to, to make sure that we mention is like, yes, it's important to be an intuitive eater and to, to make peace with food and to, to try not to label food as good and bad. But mm-hmm. like, let's be honest, there are healthier choices and, and not so great choices. Right. We know that. And you know, I don't want anybody to think that I'm advocating that we <laughs> just eat cake all the time and eat it freely. But I think you would actually be surprised that if you eat cake or a sweet, you know, we're picking on cake here, but um, if you eat a treat, let's say, um, and you allow yourself to have it, you'll be surprised by how much less you're actually going to be craving that particular food. If you, again, if you put like a plate of cookies out for, let's say your kids, 
and you said, go ahead, eat as much as you want. The theory is that they'll eat and maybe they'll overeat the first time. But if you keep putting that plate of cookies out, eventually those cookies are going to kind of be old news and they're going to like, oh, yeah, OK, well, those were there yesterday. And uh, they, they start to lose that special sense. Um, and so, again, this is all, you know, in theory. Um, but on a second piece to this, I think that's the most important for runners to take away is if we focus on both the intuitive eating part of it and fueling with a plan mm-hmm. in that sports nutrition piece of it, that's where we see success. So hear me out. If we fuel right before our run, you know, we have adequate carbs before a run or a workout, then we go run, you know, and if it's a long run, we, you know, intake carbohydrates during our run. And then after our run, we refuel and replenish those muscles with, you know, carbohydrates and protein. We need both of them. That's going to stop some of those cravings down the road. And so then later, if your body's like, you know, your stomach's grumbling, but it's not lunchtime yet. That's where the intuitive eating piece comes in that I want you to respond to that hunger cue and not say, oh, it's not lunchtime. So I'm going to deprive myself Mm -hmm. until lunchtime. Like if your stomach is grumbling, you need to eat something. And I think that's really how intuitive eating kind of comes full circle with runners. Right, right. And then, you know, one thing I'm I'm thinking is, as you're saying that is, it's also, at least for me, a big piece of the puzzle is, is, you know, making sure that the things that we have at the house are, are things that have maybe, again, I don't want to go to the, the good and bad, uh, way of labeling it, but you know, that we have more fruits, that we have more, uh, nutritionally dense, uh, options, snacking options available so that it's, it's, you know, I might have a little bit of a hunger pang and, and if the, if the cake or the cookies is the easiest thing to reach for, then that's maybe what you reach for. But if you've got the grapes or the apples or the whatever, whatever thing that, that kind of floats your boat, um, is, is equally easy to reach for, then, you know, then, then you might, you know, make the, the choice that has a little bit more, uh, to it besides just, uh, the, the, the sweet tooth, it's going to satisfy the sweet tooth, but also bring some nutrition with it as well. Um, and maybe, maybe that's a good way to kind of, you know, again, not trying to, to, to completely say you can't have because you can't, but, uh, you know, prevent you from just always defaulting to the, to the one option versus the other. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very well said. I mean, and I think, like I said, more times than not, runners will tend to gravitate towards those, you know, fruits and, Mm -hmm. you know, other, you know, quote, healthier options. And, you know, if you eat that and, you know, kind of then again, check in on your hunger level and and what you're craving after that, and maybe you'll be satisfied. And that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if not, you know, again, sit down and think about what your body is actually asking for and, you know, respond to it. Because like I said, more times than not, if you really listen to your body, it's not like, believe it or not, it won't always be asking for a sweet treat. It's going to be asking for some nutritious food. And, and, you know, sometimes it is asking for like, if you've ever gone camping and you come home from a camping trip, how good does a fresh salad sound? Mm. Like maybe that's just me, but like (laughs) fresh food just sounds so good after a camping trip where I'm eating like mountain house meals and beef jerky all Mm -hmm. weekend. Mm -hmm. What what about, you know, talking about being intuitive and, and listening to your body. One thing that I've, I've, read several different places and I feel like I've, I've experienced enough to, to assume that it's, it's a, it's a real thing. Um, uh, but the idea that, that sometimes we get the, the hunger signal, but it's really our body kind of being in a dehydrated state, but we kind of like get the, mm. the signals, uh, mixed up. So, so is that just a, another case of being so well in tune with your body that you can differentiate the differences or, you know, is, is there a time and a place to maybe default to drinking a bit more water and seeing if 15 minutes later, are you still hungry or did the water hit the spot? Um, because I feel like, again, that's an area where a runners can pretty much probably all humans, but certainly runners, like we could all probably benefit from drinking a little bit more water. Most of us. Um, but, but B that, that can be a a gray area for a lot of folks as well. So what's your take on that, uh, kind of that, that, that signal being crossed uh, in our minds sometimes. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I a lot of times, especially in the summer heat, that's been pretty relentless everywhere. I think, um, you know, trying, especially if you've maybe just ate, or you know, it, it you seem like, oh, maybe I really shouldn't be that hungry. You know, certainly trying to just drink some water and determine, you know, what is your body really trying to tell you. And you know, I think you said it perfectly. You know, you can try some water or, you know, an electrolyte drink or, you know, whatever hydrating beverage of choice you have. And then, you know, sit with that for a few minutes and then, you know, reevaluate, is it hunger or, you know, what's, what's my body really trying to tell me? 
Yeah, that's that's something that I, I I've I've done in this. I'll I'll lead into to getting into some of the uh, the the things that I'm doing that maybe are running a little bit counter to to you. And I would love to hear your thoughts on it because um, I've been mm-hmm. doing the intermittent fasting thing for for I don't know a couple of years now. Um, and there's there's some mornings, and I'm not like hardcore militant about it. Like like if I'm really hungry, some days like I'll eat you know way earlier than I normally would. Like I, I don't have any bones about it, like no big deal. But there's a lot of times where like, I feel like I'm really hungry and it's like, you know, have a little bit more water. And then it, all of a sudden, like I'm not hungry for another three hours, you know? So, so, um, but I know you mentioned kind of intermittent fasting as, as something that maybe isn't the best thing, thing for runners. Um, it, it seems like it works well for me. And, and I'm assuming that, you know, no recommendations are true all the way across the board, but, but you know, okay. for those that, uh, that maybe are, are, dabbling with intermittent fasting or have thought about some type of restricted window of, of eating, um, you know, where, where, where do you come down in that? Why is that maybe not the, the best thing for runners or, or maybe, I don't know, I'll just leave it open-ended. What, what, where, where are your thoughts on, on, at least I guess I kind of got the thought that your thoughts aren't that it's the greatest option, but, but why, why is that maybe the case? Yeah. Um, great great question. Um, and I will definitely preface with everybody is different. So it works for one runner will, you know, will or will not mm-hmm. work for another. Everybody is just different. And, you know, I'm not saying at all intermittent fasting is bad. I've seen, especially in the diabetes clinic I was working in, I have seen intermittent fasting work very well right. for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I think really the best part about intermittent fasting is not eating at night. Um, I think that's where a lot of people struggle in general is, you know, eating either a dinner late at night or a bedtime, like a big bedtime mm-hmm. snack or, you know, sweets at night. Um, because we don't really need all that energy at night. Um, you know, you're just getting ready to go to bed. So, you know, a small snack is fine, but if you're really trying to hone in on inter- intermittent fasting, I think it's best to, like stop your eating window at night. Um, and then, you know, eat a little bit more during the Mm -hmm. day. Um, but in terms of runners, um, you know, and especially when we think of like female runners and especially runners that are, you know, maybe struggling with that menstrual irregularity, um, intermittent fasting is not good for them Mm -hmm. specifically. Um, you know, again, if you, it could work for some people, but specifically for the female athlete, um, not necessarily the best option. Um, and I think, you know, really what happens, especially if we run in the morning. So I'm going to get a little sciencey on you. Go here. for it. So go for it. <laughs> overnight, your bodies are okay. Let me start over with our liver stores extra carbohydrates, right? So the liver has glycogen, which is the stored form of carbohydrates. And overnight, the liver will empty all of its glycogen stores, all of its carbohydrates to help keep that blood sugar stable overnight. And that helps you stay functioning overnight. That helps you stay breathing and your heart beating. And, you know, that keeps all those physiological functions happening. So when you wake up in the morning, your liver glycogen or your the carbohydrates that should be in your liver are pretty much gone unless you had a big bedtime snack or a big pasta meal right before bed. Maybe there's still some lingering around. But so now if you wake up and you have no food in your system and you head out the door to run with nothing but hopefully a few sips of water, um, you know, at minimum, now you're running and your body has no carbohydrates left in the liver. There's, you know, the muscles can store some carbs, but there's probably not much left there either. So now your body is turning to fat stores, which sounds like, whew, sign me up for that. You know, I'm going to burn all this fat. But okay, so yeah, maybe that works. But the problem is, by the time your body breaks down fat to turn that into energy for your, you know, turn it into carbohydrates or to turn it into energy for your body to use, it's a much longer um, process and it's not very fuel efficient, I guess is how I could say it. So your body is working really hard to break down that fat and have energy where if you just simply, you know, drink eight ounces of Gatorade or had some, you know, I don't know, animal crackers are kind of one mm-hmm. of my go-to snacks or like a little fig bar. Yeah, you had some like really quick, easy to digest carbs. They are right in your bloodstream and your body is just soaking them up and burning through them on that run. And so um, as your body is burning fat for energy, you know, yes, it's providing you energy, but it's a much slower process and it's more time consuming. So that energy is not as readily available. Um, and then 
it can also start to break down your muscles. And that's not what any runner wants is to be actually losing muscle mass as you're running um, or worse as you're recovering. Because if you don't have nutrition coming in after your run, like let's say you're intermittent fasting and you didn't eat before your run, you went and ran, you know, for an hour and you came back and you didn't have anything until, you know, two hours later, now your body is, you know, your muscles aren't getting restored either. And your muscles are really starting to break down. Um, so I hope that makes sense to you and to the listeners that, you know, intermittent fasting can work, especially if you're not running in the morning or, you know, or you're, you're not intermittent fasting around your run. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess actually one more point too, I know I'm on a bit of a tangent here, but, um, uh, if you, um, with intermittent fasting, if you eat, let's, let's say if you broke the intermittent fasting and you ate before your run, you might. I should say you will have more energy on your run to run longer and at a higher intensity, thus actually not only becoming a better runner, but having, you know, a better performance and a better training cycle. Um, you know, and again, there's theories out there that say running fasted, um, you know, in that fasted state with nothing in your system can be a good thing because then when you run properly fueled, it feels like you just like drank all this caffeine and you have all this energy and you feel wonderful. But I also have to argue that you have to train your body the way you're going to race. Um, and so, you know, I would never want you to eat something on race day that you've never practiced with in your stomach. So, um, you know, I guess two points there, which are, you know, practice your nutrition in practice before race day, but also if you eat before you run, you're going to be able to run with a higher intensity or, you know, those easier runs will feel even easier and you're going to actually become a better runner because of it. And that's my theory on it. I'm not saying that there's, you know, there's always other theories right, out there, but right. that's my take on it. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, again, I think it, it, it's, it's easy to say, you know, this or that, but there's, there's so many shades of, of gray and everything. Um, you know, and one thing that, that you mentioned in there that, that, and I don't know how much of me that you know about before we've kind of gotten into this, into this topic, Courtney, but I've, I've been, um, kind of on the, the, the low carb ish train. Um, I say ish, I've pretty much been on the low carb train, um, for, for a couple of years now. And I've, I'm, you know, looking at the data, I mean, looking at the subjective opinion, the, the objective, uh, numbers as well. I feel like it's, it's pretty clear that I'm running better than I, than I ever have. Um, uh, you know, eating, eating some carbs, I'm not like no carb, not keto or anything like that, but, but kind of more on the, the primal paleo, I guess, ish bandwagon, um, intermittent fasting. But the other big key that that's in there is something we already had talked about as well, you know, slowing down a lot in training. Like I don't, you know, I very rarely, um, push to, to maximum intensities with my training. It's, it's intentional when I do, I don't like fall into it by accident. Like I'm either running easy or I'm, um, running hard or racing. Um, and I think that for me personally, again, just my, my personal opinion and, and belief on things I've studied and whatnot and, and experimented on myself, it all kind of ties together and it's, it's, it's all worked together for me to be effective. Do I think it's universal across the board? Not, no. Um, but, but it certainly has worked for me. But one thing that you mentioned in there is, is the idea of, you know, when, when you run fasted and your body is, is struggling to break down the fats for fuel, which is, is certainly a more difficult process. And it doesn't, you don't need to be, a uh, uh, you know, super, you know, intricate, uh, chemist, uh, to, to, to see that the breakdown is more difficult. But I feel like for me, I've gotten more efficient, I guess, at, at being able to mm -hmm. utilize body fat for fuel during, during my runs to where, like, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm running better now, um, for a variety of reasons as well, but, but running better now than, than I ever have. Um, so, so I guess my, I don't know if it's a pushback, my, my question. Um, but, but, um, if, if, if it, if it works, I guess, I guess here's my question. It seems like it's working. Should, should I, should I, change what I'm doing to, to, to try to, to, um, get back to a more quote unquote kind of standard runner's diet. Um, or, or, you know, what, what are, what are your thoughts without knowing my entire complete medical history on, on, you know, Hey, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of philosophy. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a very good point is that if it isn't broke, don't fix it. If it's working, it's working. Um, you know, I, I do always question, I mean, I love that you said, 
you're getting ready for a variety or you're getting better for a variety of reasons. Um, cause typically it's never just one thing that's right. making you better. It's a lot of things, you know, your rest days, your training, everything. Um, so, you know, I would say, yeah, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But, you know, I also would, would push back to you and say, what, what happens if you did eat carbs? Do you think you might actually get even better? You know, who knows? I mean, it's, it could be worth experimenting with, but I also do feel like you're exactly right that your body will learn to, to burn fat more efficiently. Um, and you know, again, I work so much with a female runner mm -hmm. running population and I do feel like, unfortunately men have more leeway. Like men can just get away with, you know, more like, you know, running fasted mm -hmm. and, you know, and I'm not saying that no female can, again, that like, I never want to say this is as like a general statement. Everybody's so different, but, um, especially like the younger female population, you know, when we say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, again, well, what's not broke? Like, mm -hmm. are you, you know, are you getting your menstrual cycle? Are you having a lot of GI issues? Are you, you know, getting sick often? Are you getting injured? Like, okay, well, since something is broken and we need to look at that more closely, but you know, otherwise, yeah, if, if things are going okay, then that's great. But I also do challenge you to think about how much better could I be if I did do something different? And maybe the answer is, no better, but it's something, you know, worth to, you know, at least think about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and yeah, you know, back to, to, again, something you said earlier, and then you bring it up again, um, you know, a, you know, there's no universal, but B even, even, you know, the difference between men and women, it's, it's obviously there's a lot of differences. Um, but, but you know, the, the, the cycle of hormones is, is a, is a big difference. And, and that's where something that, that may work for, for in general, for one gender, maybe something that's a little bit different for the other gender. And then the other thing that you said that I think is, is important to, to, uh, highlight once again, is that, you know, it's, it's good to look at the big picture, not only for the fact that, you know, like I said, a, a variety of things that I've done have all contributed to me running better, but, it's also easy to just look at like, oh, well, doing this intermittent fasting, for example, um, I'm running better. So intermittent fasting must be working. But are there other areas of your health that are, are suffering? And in which case, maybe it is broke. It's just not showing up where, where you're looking. So it's always good to keep that that broader perspective of, of whole health because, you know, I mean, we're, we're whole humans. We're not just runners like we've already talked about as well. So it's 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 definitely important to make sure that that the whole picture looks like things are working as opposed to just one segment and then you're conveniently ignoring something else that maybe is more arguably more important to, to focus on than, you know, whether I, I hit my, my PR in the next race or not. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think one other like follow-up point to that is that a lot of runners will come to me with already cutting out whole food groups or like, mm. you know, following some like special GI based diet, you know, like a low FODMAP diet, for example. Mm. And, um, you know, one of my runners specifically said, Oh, I already went to the, the GI doctor and, you know, I've been having a lot of, you know, stomach issues and really what was going on with her. And I'm not, again, not for everybody, you know, there's a lot of other complications that can be going on, but sometimes some GI distress can really just be a sign or a cry that your body's under fueling. Um, or maybe if you eat the same foods over and over again, you're starting to lose some of that like gut microbiome mm -hmm. diversity and you're having trouble digesting food again. Um, and so, you know, the GI system takes energy itself. And so if you're really low on energy, your body's going to have a hard time digesting some of the food that you're eating. So, you know, again, the whole, like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. If you're having a lot of like GI troubles, that's something, you know, to consider just looking at, you know, is it possible that I could be under fueling or, right. it, you know, and it could be something else. I'm not saying it's always under fueling, but it could be. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. There's lots of, of aspects to it. And, um, as, as we're getting close to, to wrapping up, I do want to make sure to, to mention obviously the, the website, the, the Instagram handle, um, the, all those, those places, lots of resources, but I know something that, that you're putting together is a little bit of a, of a summer group program. Um, tell us a little bit more about that for those that might be, especially I would imagine probably the ladies, uh, not that the ladies are more interested, but that's more of who you're focused on. The the ladies that, that are interested in maybe learning more, maybe maybe working with you a little bit for for the, the summer to kind of help to to you know maybe get their nutrition side of things on track a little bit more, or at least learn a little bit more to maybe do some experience for themselves. What's what's the uh, summer program that you're working on? Yeah, thanks for asking. So um, starting July 28th, I'm going to be hosting a nutrition group program. Um, I still see clients one on one, but I thought this group program would be a really great way to build community. Um, one thing that I find among a lot of the runners that I do work with is almost all of them say, 
really other women struggle with this too. And like, yeah, we all do, you know, whether it's body image or mindfulness or learning how to fuel our runs or overcoming, you know, again, I hate to keep going back to the menstrual cycle irregularity, but that is a big piece of it. So, you know, I'm gathering a group of women and you don't need to to have any of these major issues. You might just want to learn how to fuel your body better, or maybe even you're a coach. Um, You know, I would love to to bring in more coaches to this program so that they can learn how to speak to their female athletes, you know, whether it be the college level or a recreational level or a high school level. Um, so yeah, we're going to meet for six weeks. We're going to cover a variety of topics, including, you know, one week we'll focus on intuitive eating and mindfulness. Um, but then, you know, the rest of the weeks will be broken down, you know, pre-run fuel, fuel your long run, um, fuel post-run recovery, um, hydration, electrolytes, nutrition for rest days. That's always a big common question is what to eat on your rest days. So it'll be six weeks. We'll meet for an hour via Zoom. The calls will all be recorded. So in case you you miss it, you know, life is busy, you can catch the replay. Um, but I really just want to create a very supportive group. Um, and again, you don't have to be female to be in it. It is focused on females, but maybe you're a, a male coach looking to learn how to speak to female athletes. Um, absolutely join the program. You can, you know, find the link on my um, Instagram page and my bio there. Um, and you can, you know, always DM me on Instagram to chat more about it. Right, right. Good, good stuff. Um, and certainly, you know, as, as I think is, is clear, it's, it's a deep topic. It's something that we could, like I said, we could talk about it for days. Uh, there's information out there for days. There's some good, there's some bad. Um, but certainly it's, it's, it's worth exploring, even if you, I feel like, and, and, and um, I, I, hope you'll, I think you'll agree, Courtney. I don't know, but, um, even if you feel like you've got everything kind of quote unquote figured out, um, our bodies change. So it's always good to keep learning new things so that as, as you get older, as different situations in your, in your life change, um, you may need to reassess, you may need to keep tinkering. So the more things you kind of know and have in your toolbox, the easier it is to kind of keep things, keep things going and keep things not just going, but, but thriving, um, at different points in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the saying like coaches need coaches, I think is so valuable. Like you might think like I've got this nailed down, I'm I'm cruising, but it's always good to have a second set of eyes, you know, mm-hmm. just glance over your diet or like run some questions by, you know, a professional. I always, always recommend that. Certainly, certainly. So as we're uh, officially at, the, at that point um, of, of wrapping things up, one last question for you, Courtney, completely different from uh, the, the nutrition uh, side, of, side of, of the conversation, but something that I always like to wrap up with something I call a philosophical question, which is just an open-ended, kind of like yeah. the introductory question, very, very open-ended. You can take it whichever way you want to go. Um, and, and I would just be curious, you know, uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, being, being a new mom, how, how, has, how has motherhood changed your, uh, your, your view on, on running? What, what do you, uh, you know, how are you a different runner now than you were, uh, pre having a baby? Mm, That is such a good question. Um, I mean, so many ways. Um, obviously my time is so valuable now, (laughs) so I don't mess around. I get out the door and I run, um, and I get back as pretty much as fast as I can. And, um, but more so I, Ever since having Carly as my daughter, um, who's almost nine months, I just want her to know what it looks like to lead a healthy life. And again, healthy life doesn't always mean, you know, running no matter what and running in your long run, no matter whose expense it's at. And as long as you get your workout and, you know, living a healthy life is being flexible and, and hopefully getting in your run and prioritizing your health, but knowing when to push and when to back off and, you know, that it's okay to eat an apple and it's okay to eat a piece of cake. And, you know, having this more fluid concept of health, um, is really what I want her to grow up experiencing. I never want her to be like, Oh, there goes my mom again. If she doesn't get her run in, she's going to be so crabby. You know, (laughs) I want her to see this this whole person as, you know, I'm a runner, but I, you know, can do all these other things. And, you know, I just really want her to, um, to grow up, to lead this healthy life and to never be, you know, feeling, you know, having body image issues. And, you know, I never want her to hear me talk negatively about whether it be running or my body or, you know, it just is so much different having a little set of ears in the house. Mm. I think all the parents are nodding going, yep. Yep. That, uh, that sounds about right. So, uh, guys, once again, if you want to check out more about what Courtney's got going on in the summer program or just learning stuff in general, uh, eat well, perform better.wordpress.com is the website on Instagram. The handle is at eat well.perform better. Uh, disruns.com slash eight, six, two is the link to take you back to the show. And today we'll have links for everything as we always do right there. Disruns.com slash eight, six, two. So Courtney, thanks for, uh, 
for taking the time today. Thanks for, for sharing just the, the tip of the iceberg of uh, your, your knowledge and experience. Um, and uh, I know that there's so much more in there and, and maybe we'll come back and do this again at some point, but certainly appreciate the time today and wish you nothing but the best going forward. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Courtney and myself. And as per usual, would be curious to know what your takeaway was from today's episode. What was something we talked about that really kind of hit the mark with you? What what stood out to you from today's conversation? Uh, for me, it was it was from early in the the episode, early in the conversation. But it kind of maybe maybe stuck around throughout. I, I don't know. I'll unpack that in a second. But it's, it was just you know kind of Courtney's unconventional. Um, kind of running career, if you will, especially with, with how she made it into uh, becoming a, a Division One college athlete, not exactly the, the traditional path like we talked about. And, you know, it kind of got me thinking that, that you know, what is, for, for most of us at least, what is what, what, what would be the conventional path? Like, you know, some runners, yeah, they start, get after it in, in high school, college, whatever, and, and continue along. Um, but a lot of us, you know, we started later in life for, for one reason or another. We came to the sport um, in not the most, quote-unquote, conventional means. And I think that, that sometimes, um, it's easy to get, get stuck, get, uh, discouraged maybe because things aren't as conventional in your journey, in your path, um, as quote unquote, they should be. And that doesn't mean that, that your path, your, your journey, your, whatever you want to call it doesn't, won't work. It clearly worked for Courtney. Um, and continues to work for Courtney. I mean, still, you know, getting after it. And as she's coming back from, you know, running postpartum and, 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 uh, continuing to get into her training now with, with a little one in, in tow, um, you know, no, no telling what the future holds for her. And, and, um, I just, I just think about, you know, kind of what we talked about as far as, and I've talked about it before with heart rate training, not exactly the most conventional thing of slowing down, running less sometimes can help you run faster, run farther. Um, Maybe some of the diet stuff that I do that we talked about. Maybe a little bit unconventional. Doesn't mean it doesn't work. Doesn't mean that it can't work better for me. Not I'm not trying to, to force this on anybody else. But, you know, it's unconventional. Doesn't mean it doesn't work. And so I guess I guess the reason that this is a, a takeaway for me is it's just it just re- reminds me or encourages me to, you know, kind of figure out what works for me going forward. Um, and I, I hope maybe that, that me highlighting that and, and unpacking it a bit maybe helps you as well. You know, whatever distances, whatever running things, whatever things beyond running, finding, finding your path, finding your route, finding, you know, kind of what works for you, whether it's conventional or not, whether it makes sense to everybody else or not, whether it's what the textbooks say should work or not. If it works, it works just because somebody else calls it unconventional doesn't mean that it's unconventional to you. That's just the way it works for you. So that means it conventional for you. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. An interesting thought, interesting, interesting thing to think about, at least for me, maybe for you, maybe not. Um, but that's fine. Cause that's what it was. My takeaway may or may not be yours. Uh, but what, what is yours? If you're willing to share it, I would love to hear it. Uh, at this runs on Twitter at this runs on Instagram. You can always uh, tag me in a post, slide into the DMS, uh, whatever the case might be. And let me know kind of what stood out to you from today's episode. Uh, you can also shoot me an email, disruns at gmail.com. And, uh, of course you can head over to the show notes today. We've got photos, we got links, we got all the things, uh, disruns.com slash eight, six, two. And we've also got that comment bar down at the bottom, or we got the contact form. I mean, there's two ways from the website you can get easily in touch with me, leave a comment or uh, shoot me a, a message through the con- contact form. Uh, and let me know what stood out to you from this episode. And, uh, you know, you don't have, you're not to be constricted by the 260 characters of, of Twitter, or I don't know, I guess you get a lot of characters on Instagram, so you can go that route as well. But Moral of the story is you've got ways to share your your takeaways with me if you so choose. And if you would be willing, I would love to read them. So uh, always love to know what what you think from each episode. Uh, And and nine times out of ten, it's something different than what I thought, at least those that share. So uh, it's it's nice to get some different perspectives because certainly under no uh, notion that uh, my takeaway is the only takeaway. Your takeaway is, is... is yours and i just love to hear it because it it always gives a different perspective so uh, if you're willing to share we'd love to hear it if not get yourself a cup of coffee disruns.com slash coffee support the show support your caffeine habit your coffee uh i don't know hopefully it's not a uh what is the word addiction maybe it's a coffee addiction maybe mine's a coffee addiction too i don't know but it's good coffee disruns.com slash coffee get yourself some 
And uh, let me know how you like it. Let me know how you like it. And thanks for supporting the show, everybody who gets their their regular coffee order uh, that's placing it. It is certainly appreciated. And uh, with that, we'll go ahead and officially wrap this one up. A little bit long today, but hey, you know, sometimes that's what happens. I hope it was a, a good conversation. When it is, you usually don't mind it going a little bit long. Uh, so thanks for letting me keep you company with whatever you've got going on today. And until next time, please be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? See you guys.